welcome to another Keel Hall podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourself to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we have a ton of stuff to cover, but I'm only going to do an hour's worth. That's my limit. I want to make sure that I have something to say for next week, just in case there's something juicy that comes along in the next weekly update uh, as well. We've got EGX news as well as the, the patch to cover, so let's get into it. First up on today's docket, let's talk about the news that we got from the EGX panel that happened over this weekend in the UK. Now, this does come to us from Rezzed Sessions, and thanks to them for bringing us this panel and being able to put it up onto the actual YouTube channel so swiftly that we were able to actually get a chance to do it. Uh, we are still waiting to see just when that New York Comic Con panel is going to be released to YouTube. Uh, we're still trying to find out if there's any information about that that we haven't learned from Joe uh, or excuse me from uh, Captain Jay's uh, Crow's Nest interview that he had with Mike Chapman. So in this panel we had Robin Beanland who is one of the uh, the composers for the game main, the main composer I would say uh, Mike Chapman, Joe Neat, Beardageddon and Joe McFarland or John McFarland all in attendance and they were basically covering what's been going on with the past the present and the future of Sea of Thieves and a lot of this was interesting because they covered a lot of stories from themselves as well as the audience as well as uh, a lot of the choices they've made on certain things and I wanted to talk about some of the questions from the Q&A session that happened shortly after that was kind of of interest. Uh, the main one that I think will, will bring a lot of joy to a lot of people playing the game is that new weapons are in work. Now, it's long been rumored uh, on this podcast as well as with other people who thought of the hatchet. And I know that the hatchet is something that a lot of people have wanted. A lot of people have wanted just a straight rifle without the scope as well too, and just having the iron sight. Uh, and a lot of people seem to be pretty happy with those ideas. I think that there's a great opportunity for something like the hatchet. Uh, many, many a times I know I've brought up and other people have brought up the idea of being able to remove planks off of a ship or to board a ship without necessarily having to use the ladder uh, or, or have to use a cannon to, to remove or a keg to remove planks in the bottom of a hole where, say, like a patched plank has uh, sealed up a hole. If that works, it would kind of be interesting to find out if the hole would just be a small one or if it would be the normal sized hole that uh hit when the cannon or the keg originally did that damage one of the other questions that came in that i thought was kind of cool was the ability to create your own voyages now if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know this is something that I've wanted for a long time. I've wanted to be able to use the chests that we have now to be able to put treasure into them, to dig up a spot, and to put a chest in that spot and then bury it, thus creating a message in a bottle that you can then subsequently leave somewhere for someone to find. And you know, hopefully, if someone is still out on the actual ocean, on that session, uh, they'll actually find that and be able to find whatever treasure I put in them. I do know that that could be something that a lot of people think would be fun, just putting like some fish bones and a hat in there. But you know, for some people, that's actually turn in for Hunter's Call Rep. So you never know. One man's trash is another man's treasure, as they say. Some of the other things that came in with this panel I thought were kind of interesting. Dueling. This is something that was brought up, uh, whether or not they, they thought that this would be something that could be implemented in the game. And they called back to their early prototypes when they were working in Unity, uh, when they actually had the ability to duel other people in the game. And you could do friendly fire. And this was kind of evident in some of the things, a lot of the name tags were white uh, and you could attack white players as uh, well. And then in early, um, early Unreal Engine screenshots, you can see that every pirate had a red name tag, which meant that they were hostile. And then they eventually changed it to white to make sure that people knew that they weren't necessarily a hostile target, but they were a neutral target and their their play style was going to depict whether or not they were going to be hostile to you. So it was always up to the person to decide if they wanted to be friendly or hostile. 
but they did say in the in the panel that Mike is is looking forward to being able to create some sort of system in place so that it's an opt-in situation for crews who do want to be able to attack each other. And I can see that having a lot of fun. I can see a lot of people wanting to uh, wait for say like a volcano and having the opt-in system already in place, knowing that they could practice dueling on the ship while they wait for say like a volcano to stop erupting things like that other regions uh was brought up whether or not they could expand the map and i thought this was interesting because this kind of harkens back to something that i think uh, i talked about previously from one of the q a sessions and how they're looking to bring new regions to the game but not necessarily the ones that everyone think that are going to be brought to the game and also not by just expanding the map uh, as we've talked about in the past there's that region down in the, the southern area to the south of ancient uh, the ancient isles that is still shrouded in mystery this is one way that i think um, mike and the team want to approach being able to travel to different worlds uh, or at least different lands and with the recent addition to the the game with the fort of the damned being a permanent fixture in the world and having that kind of essence of uh, or not not so much an essence but having that place outside of its normal realm it's it's clearly from the sea of the damned uh, which is is a place that we know where the ferryman uh, resides and rules over ferrying people to and from our plane of existence from the the dead plane of existence and i can understand a, a way for us to travel to that sea of the damned uh through a portal and that kind of the the link that i'm seeing there is because of the tweets that that mike put out a while back where he was working with engineers and designers on how to use an effect that was found in uh in in the actual he-man masters of the universe movie from the 80s and how it wasn't um we we think we thought that it was going to be like a, a portal and stuff so i still kind of feel like that might be something that could come in the future i'm not ruling that out as of right now but i can definitely see how instead of of instead of going outward they're going to go down and that could be a couple different ways that could be either with mermaids or, or exploring underwater or they could actually go along with actually uh, experimenting with visiting other realms uh, not necessarily just the realm that we're in uh, some of the other things that they wanted to talk about which i thought was kind of interesting was is that one of their core beliefs is that the game needs to be believable but not realistic and the prompt from this actually came from a question that asked why the ship or why the sailing mechanics seemed simplistic uh in in the sense that when you're sailing into the wind you still have forward momentum which if you sailed in real life you wouldn't actually be able to do that you would actually have to tack to be able to catch the wind uh going zigzag formation to be able to continue going uh up in the direction that you would you would have to sail in one direction then you'd cut across in the opposite direction and flip the sails uh, for tacking and they wanted to express that the game had that in in early prototypes but it if it wouldn't be fun if you were just stuck in dead wind like it's it's all and joe goes into goes into this a little bit and says you know it's it's already a pain when you're sailing into the wind imagine how much more of a pain it would be if you just didn't move uh when you were sailing into the wind and you had to actually tack properly to to be able to get anywhere um and i and i agree and and, and it's clear in the game that you know you can sail into the wind and move forward it makes sense uh, that that you don't want to add too much realism otherwise you start getting into games like Microsoft Flight Simulator. And I don't know about you, but I always enjoyed Flight Simulator when I wasn't trying to land or take off. I, I always enjoyed it when I was just kind of flying around looking at the, the scenery down below. And that's kind of the same thing that I get from Sea of Thieves. Uh, it's not necessarily how good I'm sailing. It's just that the ship is moving around in this world and I'm a part of that. So I kind of see where they're coming from with that. And in the future, I can see where a game like uh skull and bones which is being developed by ubisoft that's been pushed out to 2020 that's a game where i think a lot of people are going to have more of that visceral realistic piratey feel uh you know being dirty being grungy having things looking like you know you didn't have a lot of uh soap 
back in those days and you had a lot more control over your ship and you had to obey the the physics of sailing a ship a lot more but you controlled the whole ship as a as a big system as opposed to sea of thieves where you're individually moving the sails dropping the anchor turning the uh turning the 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 helm aiming the cannons loading the supplies things like that uh so i'm i'm glad to see that that's actually by design it's not just one of those things because i i don't know about you but i've been playing this game since before it came out officially and yeah always it's always been a saying of mine you know oh look headwind hmm that's how you know you're going in the right direction because you're always sailing into the wind uh and that's that it's funny because they they recognize it they recognize it as something that people aren't happy with but that's just how the system is designed right now uh i don't actually see that changing in the future um yeah there's a lot more so let's let's uh let me gather some thoughts get get my mind straight and see check off some lists and we'll switch up all right next up on today's docket i wanted to talk about trading company emissaries now you're probably wondering what the heck a trading company emissary even is and to be perfectly honest i'm not sure that i fully understand it but from this panel we learned some crucial information about what could potentially be in the future for trade companies now personally right now I'm, I'm level 50 with all the original trading companies. I haven't worked too hard on the Hunter's Call, and I've barely worked on the Arena, um, although that might change. That might change in the future. Uh, but I've barely touched the Arena. So as far as the original three trading companies and Athena's Fortune, those are ones where I have spent all of my time kind of getting those up to 50 and, and being that pirate legend. With trading company emissaries, I've stated in the past episodes uh, that there isn't any kind of significance to hitting 50 you don't get better voyages uh, beyond 50 there's no way to reset your levels or become more established and this is something that they recognize this is something that mike spoke directly to and the thing that they're looking at working out and kind of building up this new system is trading company emissaries where you can actually specialize in a specific trading company and you can actually role play the role of being a, a gold hoarder or an order of souls uh, emissary or a merchant emissary and the idea is is that you would be getting significantly better rewards but you would be established as a much more likely target for attention for people that want say like order of souls reputation or skeletons or things like that you'd be out there and people could actually use uh you know help help join you to actually become uh better repped or get better rewards for a trading company emissary so imagine uh the other i can't remember which episode it was but one of the episodes i thought about having like a super version of a ship where everyone equips the same level 50 uh, uh cosmetics for the ship and then that ship becomes like a super trade company ship you know you you get a much more elaborate design of cosmetics for that ship because all of you have have agreed that you're going to equip the same liveries and this is kind of what i'm thinking they're they're going to work on is something where they're actually going to be able to say like okay everyone on the ship agrees that we're all going to be working on gold hoarders and we're going to go and role play as actual gold hoarders so we're going to get get we're going to actually get chests and say like a golden key to be able to open up these chests for our own and get a larger cut of them uh something like that would be really awesome and i think that's kind of where they're where they're looking into building this system up and one of the things that was mentioned later on in the panel that i thought was interesting was that mike spoke directly to using some of the characters in the game right now uh i I would imagine he's referring to stitcher jim and the masked stranger as well as amaranta and lacetti who have been kind of moving around um adding a bit of information or or lore to the game in their own kind of cryptic way but really haven't had a whole lot of explanation to what's going on in the game and the thing that they're looking to do is build up a more pvp focused trading company as many of you know if you've gone 
and talk to Amaranta at the Sea Dog Tavern in adventure mode, she's very discontent with the way that things are being run. And if you go up to her little office on the top of the Sea Dog Tavern, you'll see that she has a desk there with a couple portraits of Lissetti and DeMarco with knives thrown at them as though they were target practice. So it's clear that Amaranta is going to play a very principal role in the future as far as developing a new trade company that will be more PvP focused and giving way giving uh, people a way to kind of stand out out in the world and be their own kind of Blackbeard or their own kind of Barbosa, you know, their own character out in the seas that everyone's going to want to go and hunt down and only the best will actually achieve the ability to uh, uh, surmount the different pirates that come at them and be able to take treasure for their own and to be able to tally up uh, uh, kills on their on their ship as, as a way of showing their their prowess at uh, competing by combat um i love this idea and i love that they're doing hints of this already in the game um it's something that's that's really kind of cool uh, to see that they want to build the story behind introducing new trade companies instead of with the uh, with the books just kind of having them in the game and then using external um, examples of how to kind of talk about where these trade companies came from. And this kind of goes hand in hand with how they're using the actual trade company comic books to kind of explain a little bit more about the origins of the original three trade companies so that in time when they start to build out this trade company emissaries system you'll actually have a better understanding for the foundation for these original three trade companies uh, something that i think will help give you an incentive to choose who you want to follow in the trade company emissary program to be able to get the better rewards uh, with that system in place knowing oh well so and so is part of the gold hoarders and i've seen their story and i and i and i understand their their blight or their plight and i want to help support that by joining the gold hoarders and kind of throwing my hat into the ring and saying i'll i'll fight for them i'll get treasure for them and as a as a reward i'll get cosmetics and better rewards and things like that on the opposite side you'll have a trading company that's focused more on pvp looking for these gold hoarder ships trying to see and this isn't something that is going to be mandatory in the game this is something that they expressly mentioned was something they wanted to offer pirates as a way to opt into to, to be able to say like hey if you want these elaborate cosmetics and these these great rewards then you're going to have to put yourself out there and say like hey i'm a part of this and give a little more identity to each pirate and who they align more with whether it's the order of souls or the gold hoarders or the merchant alliance and let them kind of play out that fantasy of being a trader or a merchant or a, a treasure hunter and and i love that idea i think it's a really great idea that they can kind of go into uh more depth as the game gets uh, bigger and better as time goes on <laughs> So some of the other things that came as a result of this panel uh, were that the the question was put out whether or not Switch was going to get Sea of Thieves. Now the reason for this is because a lot of us own Switches and a lot of us enjoy having that portability with uh, actual controllers. And they, they basically kind of shut this down. Uh, it doesn't seem like this is something that is in the works or is being planned for the future. And they kind of referenced that the Project X Cloud is going to be the best way for this to kind of happen. And that is still currently in beta. A lot of people have been able to get in if you're using an Android device. And a lot of people have said that when latency's good, it's great. Uh, when latency's bad, it's it's rough. And that's to be expected, especially when you're playing on a mobile mobile phone connection. I know when I was playing uh, in July a year ago that when I had to tether my phone to my computer when I didn't have internet for that 11 days as I was waiting to do the gunpowder skeleton event, that it was great when I had good connection. But as soon as my connection kind of got spotty, it was just lag city and the latency was high and I was popping around everywhere. And it was kind of scary. Nowadays with the 
new system in place where you can rejoin your session within 10 minutes of, of dropping. I think this will be less of an issue. Hopefully you'll be able to get to a spot if you do plan on playing portably. But sadly for now, it doesn't seem like Sea of Thieves will be coming to the Switch. Uh, that being said, I am still really enjoying uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, and I'm hoping that in the future, Microsoft Studios will be open to bringing more of their exclusive games to the Switch so that I can actually play them portably. The other part that I wanted to talk into before a special treat, thanks to Thor, Thor Von Blitz and Music Me, uh, was that the Sea of Thieves soundtrack is finally coming. They haven't said when, and they know that, that it's still being currently worked on. As such, Robin Beanland did address the fact that he is currently working on music and stuff for the, the game as it's being developed, but that they are working on the soundtrack. And it's not just going to be something where they're actually going to be taking the music straight from in-game and putting that on a CD or putting it on Spotify and giving it to us. And that Robin Beanland wants to really kind of uh, put a personal touch to the soundtrack and give players a true true beautiful experience for Sea of Thieves soundtrack and tell a story while they're at it and I'm really looking forward to this because as many of you know the music in this game is award-winning it's amazing it's beautiful it's invigorating when you're having really really amazing uh, uh, moments especially if you've done the the ninth tall tale when you actually go to the uh, the the um, the island I'm uh, blanking on the name what is it called Tribute Peak? Yeah, Tribute Peak. When you go to the Shores of Gold and you complete Killing the Gold Hoarder and you get that beautiful moment at the very end there. The music there is so great. I absolutely love it. So I'm really looking forward to when this soundtrack comes out because I'll probably have it on repeat for a while. And that was basically it for the EGX panel. Again, thanks to Rezzed Sessions for, for bringing us uh, this panel, recording it, and making sure to get everyone uh, uh, well well equipped to, to respond audibly. Um, it was nice to kind of watch through this a few times and, and pick up on some of the subtle glances between uh, characters who wanted to say something or didn't want to say something or hoping that someone else would say something first. Uh, so I'm going to leave the link to the YouTube video in the show notes. It's 44 minutes long. If you have the time, I would recommend taking a look at this. But the majority of it, I think I covered in the breakdown that I that I wanted to talk about as far as uh, the last 20 minutes or so. After this i i had a really beautiful moment uh where i got a message from thor von blitz and thor von blitz um reached out to uh, a secret discord that cannot be talked about beyond just being a secret discord that i was graciously invited to a while back ago and put out the question to uh to myself and others for questions that could be asked of of mike and the team while they were over at EGX. And I'm happy to say that uh, while not all of my questions were answered or asked, uh, a majority of them were. And some of the answers that I got back are very satisfying. So the first one that I asked was, can we get a customizable wheel for instruments and shanties? And Mike responded, it's in the works, which that's awesome. I'm so looking forward to this. I was just talking about this, so it's fresh in my mind, but I couldn't be happier that we're finally actually getting a wheel for our instrument shanties that we'll actually be able to get to, 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 to equip the ones that we have and we don't have. And Robin Beanland saying that he's working on stuff for adventure mode just kind of reaffirms the idea that we're going to be getting new shanties. Uh, we know that Mike has said that we're getting new shanties, and I'm hoping that this new wheel of shanties is something very similar to the emote situation where you can pick and choose which ones you want. I really hope that it's something that they tie into the music boxes in taverns because it. I, I like those kind of anchor points where say like if you want to change your ship liveries, you have to go to a, 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 you have to actually have to go to dock. You actually have to go to an outpost and go to the shipwright and change your liveries there. You can't just do it on the fly. And same thing with the music boxes. I think the music boxes are a great anchor point for you to be able to, to learn and exchange shanties and be able to customize the songs that you know because as new shanties come out you you can't possibly remember all of them i can barely remember all of the ones that we have in in game right 
now. And knowing that some people have some and some people have others and some people have favorites and ones that they don't like, we'll just kind of breed a little more personality um, into your pirate when you're out playing with other people that you don't normally play with. The next question that came out was, uh, what's the progress, uh, progress for dynamically changing ship types in session? Now, this is, this is something that I, I've been wanting for a long time to be able to change my ship up from a sloop to a brig or to a galleon if I have more people that want to join or to, to size down from a galleon down to a sloop if, if people decide they want to log off for a night but not having to lose all of the supplies or even losing all the supplies but just staying on the same server because it's a nice server. I, I have some words about server stuff going on right now. I think there's some some serious issues that I want to talk about that later on but the, the response to this was nothing new. Uh, they are, are aware that we want it and it's something that they want to do as well too but it's not being actively worked on right now uh there are other things that they have uh, to to be worked on first that are more imminent so hopefully more stuff that's coming soon uh the way things are being developed mike says is that they have things for the next six months the next 12 months and for example 18 months planned ahead for this idea falls into the latter time frame so it's definitely out there so while Within the second year of Sea of Thieves, we may not see something like that come until into well into the third year, unfortunately. Uh, I asked vastly different ships with the same crew size for more diverse silhouettes on the horizon. Uh, and this was something that was answered on the panel. Um, this was this kind of goes back to them not wanting and actually i can't remember if i mentioned this or not in the previous uh segment but if i didn't uh the goal is is that they they like the idea uh but that's not something that they're actually wanting to 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 do right away because it, it takes a lot of effort from what they've said to change a ship um and some of the the examples that were brought up in the actual panel dealt with uh bringing up sea of the five winds ships or, or um uh colonial or oriental style ships uh, for like the galleon and they said that they they like that they're looking into it they just know that it takes a lot of resources to be able to actually do that sorry i didn't realize just how much i had been talking and i wanted to get a break in so i could get a little sip of, a little sip of coffee in there just so i could kind of like you know wet the wet the pipes and uh so the the next question that i asked was something that kind of ties into last episode uh which was great that that they were able to ask this because i think it's important i asked can they apply the dye system from hair and underwear to all cosmetics uh there's a lot of bloat in the clothing store with 15 pages of possible options many many having the same model at a different color and name the answer to this was no not at the moment well they could but it would take away people working on things right now and the system that has been established so far they might revise at some point uh and to kind of elaborate a little more on that that answer basically if they could do it they probably would but because of the way their game designs uh, uh flow goes as far as like creating uh designing implementing testing all that stuff it would be quite an upheaval for them to stop what they're doing to in to to kind of try and build up this new system and basically we wouldn't get new cosmetics for some time if they tried to do something like this abruptly so i'm hoping that they'll they'll be they'll actually take some sincerity in in their statement about taking a look at revising this at some point because after a while if they continue to release new cosmetics that go into the shop you're going to start running into a lot of different problems where you can actually filter these by uh type you still run into the situation where jackets for example have like two to three pages uh same thing with like uh, dresses or boots hooks and it's not always fun to try and see like if there's something that you're trying like there's no easy way to search for a specific type of item that you're looking for outside of just going to that type and then actually just digging around the pages to try and find that one uh, i still think a die system would be preferable for people's 
desires for what they want in the game i think they want to change the colors of certain things they like the design but not necessarily the colors that came with it obviously i had a lot of other questions that i put out to uh thor von blitz to to ask mike and the team whether or not i could get some answers uh obviously all of my questions would weren't going to get asked but i did want to thank uh, music me and mike and thor von blitz for sitting down having the discussion and being able to address some of the questions that i had uh it was very, very nice of them to, to do that. And, and I thanked Mike on Twitter, but I wanted to thank him on the podcast as well as Thor Von Blitz and Music Me because those guys, it was very nice of them to take time from what they might want to talk about to, to actually invest in answer, getting questions answered for me uh, since obviously I wasn't able to go to any of the conventions as of late uh, to be able to get to talk to the team myself. Um, that that I, I'm honestly surprised that I managed to get that many questions in because part of me in my mind was thinking if I did actually get to meet these guys in person my my brain would probably go blank and I'd probably sit there and stutter for a while as I try to thought of of just some of the multitude of questions that I've had and it's funny because I try to write most of these down in a journal so that I can you know if the if the opportunity comes up I can actually ask them in an appropriate setting as opposed to me just constantly bugging them on twitter uh but again thank you thor thank you music me thank you mike for 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 taking the time to answer these questions it means a lot to me to be able to share these answers with the rest of the keelhauled community uh in the sea of thieves community as well all right next up on today's docket let's cover the actual Fort of the Damned patch. Now, this is a patch that is, I believe, 2.0.8, which is deep into, uh, I believe this is halfway into the first golden age year of piracy for us. And the Fort of the Damned brings with it a multitude of different things to the game. Uh, the content is absolutely amazing. I've loved so much of it. I've had a blast working on some of the new commendations and playing with friends to go out and see all the different things that have come with it. I've seen a lot of people sporting all of the new cosmetics as well as picking up some of the Pirate Emporium stuff. And I really think that this is something that has really kind of uh, brought a lot more life to the game, especially following the Rag and Bone uh, crate event that we just had that we just got done doing this is a welcome uh, multitude of excitement uh, honestly i actually think it's really amazing the the fort has been great the commendations have been uh, uh long uh overdue for for something that's going to persist past the the month and i want to go into the actual patch notes to kind of give you guys an idea of some of the things that you might not realize actually came with this because uh, i was a little surprised when i got in there and i actually started looking at some of the different commendations that are coming because while the fort itself has completely changed old boot fort is no more anyone that remembers old boot fort is now considered og now since we have the fort of the damned uh the fort of the damned is going to be something that you can do anytime whenever uh but there are some things that you have to actually be able to do to get this going First off, you have to get all of the lantern lights. So the Well of Fates is something that's going to become very, very uh, well used now that it's been about a year since uh, that was first introduced with the Festival of the Damned. So with the Fort of the Damned, to be able to activate it, you have to get all of the different lantern colors. So you have to go out, you have to get uh, the, the volcano one, the lightning one, the poison one, the shark one, the skeleton one, and, I, and the PvP one. And once you have all of those on your ship, then you actually have to go out and kill a skeleton captain or do an actual voyage from Duke. Uh, Duke has got these ritual skull seeker bounties that he's uh, putting out there, and each one is pretty short uh surprisingly you can go out and you you kill a skeleton he'll drop a villainous bounty skull and then in an order uh this order will turn into a specific message in a bottle quest which will send you to an island with typically one to three different um X's. Typically one if it's part of the voyage, three if it's an emergent skeleton, which I'll get into later on. But once you actually go dig up that, that X marks the spot, you'll get a ritual skull. And then 
you'll have to sail out to the uh, isle, uh, the the ancient isles, to go to uh, the the fort of the damned, which is just to the northwest of uh, Crook's Hollow. And once you get there, you take all the colors and you take them up to the top of the fort at the very top of the 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 actual. Uh, I'm sorry, you get up to the actual fort itself, and you put the the lights in the statues that uh, represent each of the different fates of flame. Once you've done that, you place the ritual skull into the into the cage where the skeleton minus the head is sitting, and you activate the fort. Once you've actually activated the fort, that's when you're going to start dealing with different waves of skeletons and this is where they've actually introduced a new type of skeleton one that is color specific and you can find these out in the world if you start digging up ritual skulls too but if you don't have the flames you won't be able to damage them so these work a lot in in the same way that shadow skeletons or goths work out where you have to raise a lantern up to them to be able to cause them to to take damage from any kind of source of of uh damage actually doesn't matter what it is but you do have to have that appropriate color once you actually hit them with that color they'll go dark uh, they'll actually stop glowing that specific color and you can actually do damage to them so when they start glowing again make sure you raise up your lantern and, and hit them again once you've actually completed multiple ways you'll actually get a shade of gray morrow uh, it's not gray morrow himself it looks like a ghostly version of him and he is a beast he is a, 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 a real hard boss to actually fight and with cause because the rewards for this are insane the main item in the Fort of the Damned is an Athena's chest. You also get two Reaper's chests, two uh, skulls, uh, stronghold skulls, two uh, stronghold chests, two ancient bone dusts, and I think three mega kegs with a bunch of gems and uh, uh, regular barrels. And that, that, if you just kind of work out how much gold that is, you're looking at at least 30 to 40 gold uh, or 30K, 40K just for, for one uh, of those turn-ins. And the Reaper's chests themselves have actually been upped in bounty as well too. So those are even going to be more as far as um, how much those are worth. So you're looking at least 25 doubloons per Reaper's chest. And one of the nice things that they added to was these emergent skeletons. I mentioned them earlier, but if you go around to different islands, you can actually see these emergent skeleton captains. I've yet to see myself, which is kind of a bummer. But if you do kill the skeleton and the other skeletons around him, he will drop a villainous skull and a message on a bottle and the likelihood of uh, digging up that the the messages and the message in a bottle x marks the spot maps is, is that the you could get a ritual skull but you can also get mega kegs as well uh, as well as regular barrels and reaper's chests uh, i know i got one from sharktooth key and it took me over to isle of last words there was a galleon over at uh daggertooth uh, or Dagatuth, as Andy puts it, uh, outpost. And when I dug it up, it was a Reaper's chest. And I immediately realized just how imminent of danger I was in because at that moment, I didn't know if that galleon was actually going to start pursuing me after I found it. But I managed to dig that up as well as a mega keg and a ritual skull and then sail up to Galleon's Grave and turn those in because I was solo slooping at the time. So far, I love the Fort of the Damned. I think it's a great or a great interesting addition to the game and i think they need to do more stuff like this where they're really upping the ante so there's a reason to go to this on a regular basis the pirate emporium has new treasure well i say treasure I honestly just mean more cosmetics and pets. There's also some new uh, taunt emotes that are out there as well too. So thanks to the new month, uh, we're looking at a very spooky version of the pets. So if you want, you can now buy a skeleton monkey and a skeleton parrot and use those uh, to kind of uh, kind of emphasize your time on the Fort of the Damned. I don't know if emphasize is the right word, but basically uh, to kind of capitalize on the, the <laughs> capitalize on the spookiness of the whole event. I love it. Uh, they've also added some bilge rat, bilge rat pirate outfits. So it's kind of like a, a, a kind of ragged cloth with some ropes around their, their body. Uh, not something I picked up this round. I didn't really like it as much. The next thing that they put in there was the, the ship cosmetics and 
darn it if rare didn't kill me with this because i was gonna be okay if i didn't pick up deliveries this time around because i didn't know what they were then when i found out on monday when they let slip an early preview of uh, the pirate emporium on their website it was clear that they were going to be putting out killer instinct liveries and they're amazing looking they look awesome it's a full set there's daggers it's black it's red it's rough and the figurehead is a pirate with um, a mask over his face and red eyes and two blades and if you get the the if you get the really expensive version of him he's completely chrome and his blades glow blue now if any of you are fans of Killer Instinct, now bear in mind, I don't have an Xbox, so I haven't gotten to play the original, the, the new Killer Instinct. Uh, I actually, now that I think about it, it's on Xbox Game Pass, isn't it? So I could, I could actually play it because it's available for PC on Xbox Game Pass. I just haven't actually done it. But I remember playing the original Killer Instinct for my Super Nintendo, and man, did I have a lot of fun with that game because it was beautiful. It was gory, it was visceral, it was a solid fighter, and I loved Cinder, and I loved Spinal, and I loved Fulgore, and that's who this is. The figurehead is a pirate version of Fulgore, and it is more pirate and fits better in in my opinion, than the actual Halo figurehead does. Uh, the Halo figurehead has some aesthetics that make it look like Master Chief. And while I appreciate the design of it, I don't think that it necessarily fits in with the typical pirate aesthetic that Sea of Thieves has brought us. But I will say right now, that the cyborg ninja that they had with uh, Fulgore is essentially what a pirate version of him would would be uh, in, in in my mind. And it's and it's weird. This is going to be a weird reference, but there was a movie that came out early early two thousands called Brotherhood of the Wolf, where these guys were very colonial. They had tricorn hats. They had jackets that zipped up over their nose, and it was they were great with blades, and it was amazing. And that that movie wasn't great don't don't get me wrong but i love the design of the characters and that's exactly what this this figurehead reminds me of i have yet to buy the special edition versions uh just because money is tight right now and i haven't found any ancient skeletons and i had to get the original i had to get the base set of the, the liveries i had to get those because they're they're going to be too good to not get uh and i had of course to pick up the actual uh skeleton pets if you haven't done these yet i did want to let you know though there is a cursed companions bundle through the xbox and microsoft stores only this is uh the skeleton marmoset and the skeleton cockatoo uh who are are available in as a bundle uh with the taunt emote and some free gold now this is only available through the Xbox and Microsoft Store. This is not something you can pick up in game. And there's also a, a parrot starter bundle as well too, uh, that includes a parrot uh, with uh, some free bonus cosmetics and golds as well too. I haven't looked into too much of these. These are just straight off of the patch notes. So forgive me if I don't have the specific details on what they are, how much it, how much it is. Uh, but those are only available through the Xbox and Microsoft stores, not in game. Um, we got a lot of different cosm or uh, e emotes, some really good ones, as well as a taunt emote that I love because that was of the the wheel of emotions when I created a whole new in my mind, working out like what emotions need to rep need to be represented with emotes. Um, anger was one of them, and the taunt emote bundle has a plethora uh, of of different ways to kind of show your your scorn towards other pirates or crewmates. It, it's it's or krakens, I guess, if you really wanted it, or megalodon. You could, you, or volcanoes. Actually, probably volcanoes, because yeah i had I'll, I'll save the story for next week if i remember but i had a i had a fun time chasing volcanoes uh, uh the other night um trying to get a red light uh actually that kind of explains all of it but anyway um and i think that was yeah actually yeah that was it for the for what what came in with the pirate emporium <laughs> 
pirates next on today's docket i didn't again i'm gonna try and keep this within an hour Uh, i've got some editing to do to kind of trim up some of the different sections so i might come in a little under when all said and done but i'm planning on trying to get as much of this in as i can this week so that i can have some stuff for next week so as far as the black market stuff i'm actually going to hold off on talking about that because it's not that interesting but i did want to talk about some of the things that will hopefully help you in the in in the game as you're playing throughout the next few weeks uh, or at least in the next couple weeks so um, when you actually get into the game say you are still working on some rag and bone crates but the rag and bone uh, voyages are no longer available if you uh, go out into the world you should start being able or you should start finding some of these rag and bone crates uh, on some of the shores and these can be delivered to outposts similar to the way that you have like regular cargo merchant cargo that you would find whether it's like the uh, the plants or the the silks or the 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 the, uh, rum bottles things like that where they have a delivery time and uh, uh, you can turn them in. But these ones don't actually have a delivery time. They're only gonna reward you five doubloons if you turn them in, but at least you don't have to worry about like when you find them versus how long it's gonna take to actually get them to a sea post. So while you're out there gathering gems and fish and things for uh, the hunter's call, make sure you keep an eye out for some of these uh, different rag and bone crates too. That will help kind of supplement your doubloon income as well since now we have multiple types of income to worry about while we're actually playing the game uh one of the things that was interesting um i've heard that this isn't necessarily the case so i don't know if it's a bug that's not working but one of the intended things they added to the game to help get pirates the white light for being in a storm and getting killed by lightning is holding out your soul or your sword which really kind of makes me think about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, where if there was a storm that came through in an area that you were in, if you had any kind of metal on you at all equipped, you were more prone to get struck by lightning. And it would actually start to show this kind of static electricity kind of sparking off your, your metal items uh, in, in Zelda, uh, letting you know like, hey, by the way, this is a conductor for electricity. There's a big giant thing that makes electricity above you, uh, or I'm not gonna get into the, the logistics of how lightning works, you know what I mean. Uh, but basically like, you know, get, get rid of the metal stuff. So if you're out there trying to get the white light and you're in a storm, my best recommendation as always, jump off the crow's nest to your very low on health, go into the storm, drop anchor, hold out your sword and take the hit. Uh, just don't, don't get hit by lightning near powder kegs. That's still going to be a bad idea for your ship. Uh, but hopefully that helps you get it a little bit sooner. If you're having trouble getting the red lantern, like I did the other day, actually I might as well go into the story. Uh, with my crewmates and I, we went out sailing and we were trying to activate the fort because we had stolen a fort of the damned earlier, but we didn't get credit for activating it since we technically stole it. Uh, so we were out trying to get the lights so that we could actually um, we could actually activate the fort to get credit. And then later we ended up wanting to kill skeletons for the commendations. And then once we killed the skeletons, well, we figured we might as well uh, get the the Athena's chest for the actual turn-in since, you know, that's worth a certain amount of gold uh, plus the commendations for pirate legends and stuff. And then once we gathered everything up, we were like, well, we might as well take the gems as well because we're going to be sailing down to Ancient Spire Outpost and we might as well stop by Stephen Spoil's outpost or sea post to be able to turn it. It turned into a whole thing. We ended up being up for at least another hour and a half as we kind of cautiously uh, kept an eye out for for pirates and stuff like that. End of the story, we actually had the Athena's chest sniped off of us. Uh, we, we actually had someone that stowed away somehow, took our rowboat and actually snuck off with the Athena's, but it was so long after we had started playing and everyone was so tired we honestly didn't even care we had a majority of everything else and it's not like many of us actually needed the gold we just were going to take it for the sake of taking it so kudos to the ninja that was out there who managed to get the athenas off of us uh we were too tired to care <laughs> and um so with the with the, with the story revolving around the actual uh flames getting back to the the, the lantern colors uh when i was actually out there i was in a row boat alone trying to get into the devil's roar to actually get a a, a, a red flame for our crew as i'm right rowing around i go out towards eleanor's sea post to visit her uh, because i know that's typically a fairly um frequent volcano uh, based on my experience and this 
this was counter to that experience because I was out there for what felt like a good half hour trying to get a volcano to hit me. Now, I would actually be in a volcano area and I would see the ash, but no meteors ever wanted to actually hurt me. And once that one disappeared, I figured, okay, well, I might as well just row over to an island and actually go over to the island and try and get hit that way. And as I got to each different island, I would barely get in range, but I wouldn't get close enough to the actual island. Bear, bear in mind, I'm rowing a broken rowboat. It's okay. It's not broken, but it's busted. It's pretty busted up. This rowboat around the devil's roar, trying to chase these stupid volcanoes. And every time I got close to a volcano, it would be going off. And then just as I was about to make landfall, it would stop. And I couldn't, and, and I was stuck. So then I'd look around for more volcanoes and I'd have to row and try and row back to another volcano in time to try and get hit by a volcano. So finally, after the guys that had been sailing with, that I'd been sailing with on a brig had dealt with two sloops, uh, avoided getting sunk and managed to pick up all of the other flames, they all the other lantern colors they they decided to start sailing towards the devil's roar and as they were doing this i felt like such a i, I was so worthless i'm sitting around in a rowboat looking for a volcano that's active and i can't get killed by a volcano in the devil's roar at this point i'm trying to decide whether or not i'm the luckiest pirate on earth or i'm i'm immortal and i just can't be killed so i go out to ashen's verdict i think uh and um, I always forget the name of that one for some reason. I don't know why. But I go out there and it starts to erupt. And I think, okay, great. And then one of my buddies, Brian, he actually reminds me that standing in the hot spots on an island, the, the, the lava, will actually give you, give you the flame as well. So I wanted to give you guys the advice too. If you're out in the roar and you're trying to get one of these flames and you're just having a heck of a time, make sure you try going out onto the actual island. Now, obviously, you have to avoid skeletons because if you die to a skeleton, you're going to get a green flame as opposed to a red one but bearing that in mind if you get onto an island and you're standing in the lava and not waiting for the volcano rocks to kill you then you can die that way as well and still get that red flame at least until they introduce another way of getting the red flame there's the leak that came out from james uh, a long time ago about fire as well as uh, the panel was brought up with uh, fire from the the host who who mentioned if that was coming and they keep they keep saying it's cut I, I'm, I'm sure it's coming. I, I don't know when it's coming, but I'm sure fire is going to be coming because it seems like that's that's going to be an easier way for us to be able to uh, get the get the red flame without necessarily having to go all the way out to the roar. Uh, though it isn't too hard of a, a or too too far of a, a dry or a sail. Wow, I can't think right now. It's not that far of a of a voyage from the Devil's Roar to the Fort of the Damned. Some of the other things, the skeleton ship battles are now much much closer this was talked about in the weekly dev update and when they say closer they really do mean closer like the the uh skeleton ship battles the 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 ship's cloud in the sky is now deep in the heart of each of the original three seas and because of that it's a lot easier to get stuck in one of those events and not realize it until it's too late uh especially with say like the the one that's um in the ancient isles that one is smack dab between kraken's fall and ancient spire outpost and if you sail anywhere between those two when that when that actual skull or ship cloud is up you're going to get hit with a couple skeleton ships it's going to be kind of crazy uh still really amazed by that and the devil's roar one is still way out in the middle of nowhere because obviously volcanoes are a pain in the butt as it is you don't want to have to deal with that as well as skeleton ships um i'm trying to think if there were some other things oh some of the things a lot of new cosmetics for women came in uh dresses skirts and new blouses and tops came in a lot of them are really great i i think i've only got a couple issues with a few of them that just don't look good and i'm not sure if it's something that they don't look good on my pirate or they just don't look good to me period but a lot of pirates have been uh wearing these and enjoying it there's a bunch of guys running around in loincloths which is 
hilarious because I totally saw that coming. The other changes that they made were uh, when you're actually, um, uh, I'm trying to think, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to mention too much about the actual combat. That stuff was mentioned last week, I think. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to cover right now because I'm getting close on at the end of time. Um, oh, if you are a pirate legend and you're down in the pirate legend tavern and you want those two-tone dies those aren't previewing on your character the way they do when you just go to the regular shopkeep so bear that in mind if you haven't purchased those yet and you're, you're looking to see what they look like hold off because that's something that i don't think was tested in the insiders because i don't know too many pirate legends on the insiders uh, so it doesn't seem like they they put in the system to be able to have your pirate previewed with the hair that he's he or she is wearing uh, with the dual colors so they're, and they're pretty pricey too they're about 20k a piece and there's at least six to ten uh different color combinations so if you want to know what they look like but you don't want to have to spend the gold and be unsatisfied with them i would hold off until they implement the system where for example if you go to the regular shopkeep and you look at the pirate color or the hair dyes that are available in there they'll actually preview on your pirate before you purchase them so you get an idea of what they look like uh i think that was it your pirates or your your pets now get soot on them when you fire them out of a cannon which begs to question why we don't get soot on us when we get fired out of a cannon but i i it was explained to me that there's a there's a certain innate value that comes with purchasing pets and that uh the way to ensure that that value is maintained is by instilling a sense of realism to the skeleton pets by putting soot on them after you fire them i'm i'm gonna leave that one alone actually i'm not gonna go into that there is a special commendation title when you kill a shark by detonating a powder keg in the vicinity you will now get the achievement smile you son of a dot 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 which if anyone knows jaws that's a great great reference to that movie and uh seems seems like it was overlooked <laughs> it seems like it was one of those things that should have been in back with the hungering deep um at least it's in now but i love that achievement uh being added to it i need to go out and actually get that and with that pirates i think that's going to cover the news uh i'm going to try and pick out the stuff that wasn't covered in this episode and save it for next episode uh oh you know what before i go i did ask for questions for this episode so i've got i got a few more minutes um i'm gonna cover some of these different uh, uh some of these different um questions that came to it next up on today's docket i asked for questions for the latest keelhauled episode and i got some from the community so I wanted to ask, what kind of questions do you have? So Narfield wrote in and said, what is your least favorite lantern to get for the Fort of the Damned? I would have to say that my least favorite is probably gonna be snakes. Although Volcano is a close second because I hate getting spit on by snakes. It always like it shocks me. It's not a big thing that I'm a really big fan of, but uh, you know, outside of having to chase volcanoes, um, I would say that snakes is probably my least favorite. Uh, someone else can get that one. Although I do love the the color purple. Thank you, Joker. Uh, what are your thoughts on another map expansion comes in from Captain Rogers? I love the idea of expanding the map. I understand the logistics and fears that they have with expanding the map and making it so that people don't see each other too, too or see each other even less than they do currently. Uh, but I would love to see some really new beautiful zones come out that bring in some different uh, uh, biospheres uh, or biospheres I think that's I'm trying to think of what that word is but any, anyway some some new environments like swampy areas or, or uh, tundra area tundra type areas or you know j- just something different to the game where it kind of uh, breathes a little life into some of the uh, uh, variety for what areas look like because right now it's it's pretty it's pretty it's ucky and it's deadly those are the four that we're dealing with right now. And I think I think thanks to the EGX panel, we might be getting to see the damned sooner rather than later. Uh, next comes in from TJ. Uh, now that Almiranta has returned to her post at the Sea Dog Tavern, whom do you expect is Stitcher Jim's cloaked and mysterious new friend? Personally, 
I think it's Wanda the Warsmith. Uh, I think that it's somehow going to be tied in to the chalice that she was drawing, the uh, workshop bench that she was drawing. I don't understand too much how the dragon figurehead really, really fit in, but I don't know how it would be her because uh, we obviously she's undead. Um, she doesn't look like the person who's masked so that's still kind of up in the air um and with amaranta being back at the sea dog tavern it kind of rules out that the the masked stranger is uh is is amaranta um but if you guys want to find them they're out in the world uh there's actually some time limited commendations for where to find them uh so make sure you get that done within the month uh, you have to go talk to stitcher jim Duke can actually point you in the direction of where he's at as well, too, uh, if you're curious. The next few questions come in from CJ. Thank you, CJ. Uh, do you think Sea of Thieves would benefit from big events like the Fortnite Black Hole? Uh, I think they would in the future when, say, there needs to be uh, an event that warrants it. Um, when we're long in the tooth with the game and the game needs a big shakeup and they want to really kind of add some really, really big things to the game that are just going to be too large for them to justify trying to, uh, to, to do as small updates. I think something like that could actually benefit them kind of building in that lore about something with the world changing and having the shroud actually shift us into whole new biomes that's the word i was looking for earlier biomes not biospheres uh but actually having the the shroud shift as it's a a, a moving and a thing and move us to new areas i think something like that could really benefit especially if they decide to do this in the future when we start to look at having the next generation of xbox the one that's coming out next year the fall of 2020 or the 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 winter of 2020 whenever the next xbox console comes out we're obviously going to have a more powerful system and i'm curious to see how sea of thieves will transfer into that world as a game as a service and see if they'll try to capitalize on the potential for using uh that game or using Sea of Thieves as a way to kind of promote a new world for us to go out and explore. Uh, say like, you know, the shroud is moving in, all, all of the, the, the tenants for the Sea of Thieves as we know it now are evacuating and we're sailing and we get a big quest where everyone has to sail navigate through the shroud and there's a, a really beautiful thing where that where we go into the shroud and then the game goes dark and you just pass out and when the game comes back online you arrive through the shroud but you realize you're still in the shroud but everything in the shroud now looks vastly different and a lot higher res maybe I don't know, or at least something. They could work something out. But basically, new biomes, new world. A lot of the vendors have made it. Some of them didn't. We'll, we'll find some new indigenous people that have made it through the shroud as well. And we get a whole new lore experience based on this these new biomes and this new zone uh, as, as a result of us traveling through the shroud to a new area. And maybe they could even f break this up so that adventure mode has like old Sea of Thieves versus new Sea of Thieves um you know things like that depending on how the player base is and whether or not it would be too hard to split up the player base uh across different types of adventure modes uh next question he has now that old boot fort has been improved quote unquote what other changes would you make to forts any particular fort you would want to see revisited um some of the forts that I've done in the past have been pretty good. I would say that of the forts that I think could be revised would definitely be, uh, let's see, I would say Lost Gold Fort could do with some revision. The, the tra traversal there is ridiculous and I don't think that it's something that lends itself well to a, a kind of a, a fun fun situation there's there's just a little more balanced around verticality and, and traversing that fort as opposed to actually completing that fort and i think that the the pathways are a little too narrow to be able to have some fun with powder kegs or avoiding powder kegs things like that uh i would say i'm blanking on the one that's um you know hidden springs keep there's that that Kraken one, I think, that's just the uh, just Kraken Watchtower, I think, is which one it is. It's just to the northeast of, of Hidden.
Hidden Springs Keep. That one seems a little small and a little narrow. Uh, there's really only one length of the actual uh, fort itself, and it's it's kind of got a couple high high uh, mountain ridges around it, and there's not really a good safe place to park there either. It's really hard to actually get even a sloop to a blind spot for those towers. So I think maybe the towers could be adjusted so that the uh, the range is, is different, or maybe that the, the island itself could just be kind of uh, uh, split up or, or, or widened a little bit. So it's a little closer to like uh, Crow's Nest Fortress. Crow's Nest, I feel like, is one of the, the more perfect uh, uh, forts. Out, out for us to actually um to to do uh core virus actually responds and says that the devil's roar uh fort actually needs loot and i agree uh very similar to their their thoughts from the egx panel that the uh the devil or that the fort of the damned needed to have really really good treasure um it's definitely clear that they they've been very apprehensive about about putting too much good treasure in these forts uh and that this the fort of the damned is as good of a success as it is because i think there's so much good treasure in there and that's something that i think the devil's roar treasure needs to definitely be upped in that case the next thing that uh cj came in with was uh shipwrecks need more variety uh do they need more variety answer yes would be fun to see Man of War sloop or other kinds of ships wrecked on the seas. And I agree. I still don't quite understand why they haven't. Well, actually, I do understand. But they they know that that was an idea that was brought a long time ago. It's not something that seemed like it was important enough for them to actually implement. But I do agree that we ought to have a way to be able to uh, check out different types of ships. Bigger ships or smaller ships for treasure of varying degrees. And he goes on to ask, say that he'd love to have a consumable item that allows him to spend more time underwater looting shipwrecks or stealthing around temporary gills slash mermaid powers more stuff to do underwater including maybe combat and all all i can really say about that is wait because uh, i would imagine not too distant future well maybe distant future but maybe in a year um that we're probably going to be seeing something that will tie in well i don't I don't actually know, but I would say that just based on kind of where the lore is right now and the trajectory that they're going, I don't see us getting mermaids as soon as I want. And because of that, I'm hoping it's because of the teases that they've been saying about wanting to bring new regions to the game uh, that are more vertical than horizontal, uh, meaning instead of expanding the map, they want to explore the depths of the seas. Uh, so I'm hoping that that's kind of where something like a consumable to allow us to be able to breathe longer underwater or hold our breath longer underwater or something like that could actually come into play. And with that, I think that was it for the questions. Pirates, if you have questions, I do the podcast every Sunday. Every Sunday, I have the podcast on Twitter. If you ever want to send me a message with your question, feel free to tag me on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. I actually have a Twitter account for the podcast Podcast as well at Keelhauled Pod. Uh, you can always message me there as well too. Uh, that's kind of a good way for me to aggregate all of the questions since it doesn't get as much uh, attention as my main account does. Or if you want to send in your questions normally, you can always send them to my email address, the, the captainlogan at gmail.com. Uh, you can always reach me on Xbox at Captain Logan uh, is my gamer tag. Um, the email is actually C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. All of my socials are actually in the show notes. So if you guys are ever wondering where you can join the Discord, how you can buy t-shirts or merch for the podcast to represent at conventions, or if you just want to find out how you can get a hold of me or check out any of the stuff that I've talked about with the links that I provide in the show notes, they're all in there every episode uh, and they're always available for everyone to join into. If you like this, please do me a favor. Follow me on Spotify. Like it on YouTube. Subscribe to me on your podcatcher. Tell a friend. Tell a stranger. Better yet, tell multiple strangers. And get the show out there so uh, we can definitely get more pirates invested in the Keelhaul community. Because that's where I have the most fun is when I'm playing with friends. And if you want friends to play with 
and you enjoy the show, you can join the Discord and jump in with more people that enjoy the show as well, as well as Sea of Thieves and a multitude of other games that are going to be coming out. I'm going to be going to BlizzCon in uh, a week. I think it's a week now. Gosh, it feels... No, I think it's two weeks. It's almost, it's less than two weeks. It's less than two weeks. I'm going to be talking about that. I'm going to be doing a shore leave episode uh, that's going to be covering my thoughts on BlizzCon. There's been a lot of stuff that's been going on with that that I've been avoiding on this uh, and just kind of storing for the next uh, shore leave episode. But there's been a bunch of PlayStation news and I'm going to be talking a lot about uh, Outer Worlds when that comes out on the 25th as well as Luigi's Mansion 3 on the 31st. So Pirates, if you're interested in that, keep an eye out for sure leave episode number two and with that pirates that's going to do it for this episode thank you i love you and i look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves